Italia 90 was a seminal moment in Irish sporting history, if not Irish history. And one of the central players, believe it, um, in Italia 90 wasn't uh, one of the players or Jack Charlton. It was, of course, a journalist, a journalist who was already famous um, in this country, but then became huge in this country. Um, uh, and, of course, it was Eamon Dunphy. And Eamon um, has agreed to join me on the line this morning to discuss, among other things, his memories of Italia 90. And he's there now. Hi, Eamon. Thanks a million for coming on the show again. Hi, Mario. Um, I'm delighted to come on. And it's nice to hear uh, all those um, memories you read out from people around the country. Um, I mean, people had a great time and it, it's kind of milestone in people's lives that they remember. Yeah, you can hear it in the texts, Eamon. Yeah. You can, when I'm reading the texts, and I can, it's hard sometimes to read tone when you're reading texts, but you can hear the effusiveness in the texts and, and the detail of what they remember and the landmark it was in their lives for all of us uh, at that time. But for you, it was also a landmark. Now, let me just t- talk to you about your odyssey uh, during that tournament. So tell me about the tournament from your perspective. You were in Dublin, yeah. Ireland for the first two games. Was that right? Yes, I was working for RTE as an analyst and working for the Sunday Independent. So the agreement I came to with the two employers was that I do the first couple of games uh, for RTE and then I'd go out uh, for the Sunday Independent for however long we stayed in the tournament. And that was the arrangement. Um, And that's what we did. Um, For me, it was a job of work. Um, but it was a great thrill as well because we'd never qualified for the World Cup finals before. Two years earlier, we'd qualified for the European Championship finals, uh, beaten England in Stuttgart. So soccer, which had been a Cinderella sport, was now really capturing the imagination of Irish people in a big way. And during uh, Italian 90, I think people who had no interest in soccer as such uh, fell in love with the whole uh, romance of uh, our march through the tournament. And there were barbecues and people said hello to each other. And I think people just uh, enjoyed the adventure. Yeah. And we got... Off- for, for Sorry, just yeah. to say, we were, John, Giles himself, we, we were thinking about the matches and the team selection and all of that. <laughs> Everyone else was just having fun. <laughs> and of course they were. And, and I was and everybody was. And it was at the time as well, football was still, I suppose, the beautiful game. And we were, we were joining this, this, this beautiful game for the first time in our history. And England was the first game we played and we drew one all with England and yeah. um, Kevin Sheedy scored the goal. And then the second game was against Egypt. And, of course, this marked this, this crossing the Rubicon, the turning point uh, for you when you made some comments. Um, you made some comments uh, about the performance after the Egyptian game. Now, back then, Eamon, there was no social media. There was no Twitter. Thank there was God. Exa- well, yes, <laughs> except we all... I'd have been scorched. Not really, because we all bemoan social media, but social media would have helped you at that time because it would have saved you because people would have seen that you didn't actually say what rumoured that you had yeah. said. Because, of course, people had said, suggested that you said uh, you were ashamed of your country. And we have, of course, a clip of, uh, of Bill O'Hurley, the lovely Bill O'Hurley, uh, setting people uh, to rights about what you actually did say. 
Now to something else, as they say. Ever since our studio analysis of Sunday's game, there's been a lot of comment on what was said by our panellist, Eamon Dunphy, whom, as you know, is in Sicily now. And only yesterday we saw Jack Charlton saying he would not talk to someone who had said he was not proud to be Irish. We can only surmise that Jack was told that Eamon had said this. It is not true, of course. Eamon did not say that. We'll show you in a moment just exactly what he did say. But before we do, let me say that we want this controversy to come to an end so that we can all concentrate on the team and on supporting them in the World Cup. So, what did Eamon really say? Here it is. Eamon? I felt embarrassed for soccer, embarrassed for the country, embarrassed for all the good players, <clears throat> for our great tradition in soccer. This has nothing to do with the players who played today. This, that's a good side. I feel embarrassed and ashamed that performance. Would you go as as, uh, as strongly as that about it? John but never goes as strongly as me on anything. <laughs> but I'm thinking of men like him, Tommy Eglinton, uh, all the great players we've produced, Peter Farrells, the great football, the Liam Brady's, the Ronnie Whelan's, the David O'Leary's. This is a great football and country produced players and go out and play that rubbish. Uh, yeah. John? <laughs> and the way people had it, it was as if you fecked your pen across the table and knocked Bill O'Hurley's eye out, Eamon, for all that was worth it. Uh, I, I just dropped the pen. Um, it was a very emotional day for me because for the first time ever, uh, it was a Sunday. The GAA cancelled all their games. Uh, they had um, set up television screens in their clubs. The whole country was watching the game I loved um, so much. And uh, the performance was dire. Uh, Jack had still refused to play Ronnie Whelan. Uh, Ronnie was captain of the Liverpool team that won uh, the league in 1990. The last time Liverpool won the league, we're celebrating uh, the 30 years, it was that summer. And Ronnie had captained that team and he, Jack wouldn't play him. It was madness. And we were playing that old Route 1 stuff and Egypt embarrasses. I think the game was an embarrassment for everybody. Um, unfortunately, there were an awful lot of people in Italy or who weren't watching the the match on television who thought I said I was ashamed to be Irish. What I said was whoever sent the team out to play like that, which was Jack, should be ashamed of themselves mm -hmm. because it was a betrayal of the tradition of Irish soccer as I saw it. Exactly. And then after that, all this uh, brouhaha and controversy erupted and you yeah. went to Italy. Yeah, I went to Italy because that was what I'd been scheduled to do for the Sunday Independent. I went to Jack's press conference. Um, now, to be fair to Jack um, and indeed to other people, it, I think the idea that I'd said it was a shame to be Irish had got out ahead of me and that's what they believed. Uh, and they responded uh, accordingly. Uh, it was a rough time, um, and um, it uh, some of it was a misunderstanding. But really, the country was in fiesta, Mario. They didn't want rigorous analysis. Uh, and, of course, I felt that was what we should be doing. So it was tricky. I mean, Colin Tobin was working for the Sunday Independent. Angus Fanning, God rest him, who was very, very supportive, as were RTE at the time. Um, Angus Fanning sent Colm out to mind me. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we were together in Sicily. We went to Palermo to see the Holland game, uh, and there was banners in the stadium about 
uh, me and all of that stuff. And we encountered a crowd of about three or 4,000 Irish people getting off the buses in the car park of the stadium. And it was very, very hostile indeed. Hostile. So there would be, it would be pretty unanimous, would it be, like the, against yep. you? Yeah. Yeah, they were chanting stuff and that. It was very, very unpleasant um, to experience. But I didn't mind. What I did mind on reflection was that my children, who were young at the time, were getting the same kind of stuff um, where they were. And that is an appalling vista that I wasn't really conscious of yeah. uh, because it... I mean, the Herald did a poll the morning after the television thing and... 97% of the people thought I, were, I was wrong uh, and or worse. So that's I higher became, than Trump. That's higher than Trump's. Is, yeah. That's higher than Trump's uh, favorite uh, polling in, yeah. the, in the Republican Party. Yep. <laughs> it, it was a big number. <laughs> big, big number. Now, tell me about your journey then. So, then Holland, and I remember at the end of the Holland game, Mick McCarthy and Ruth Hullett had a kind of a meeting in the centre circle where they almost decide they would play out for the rest of the match yes. without threatening each other's goal. And they just, it, it kind of dribbled out in the end, and Ireland qualified. And then yes. Ireland qualified, if you like, for the second round where we would play Romania. And did, and did you go to that match as well? No, I was back in Dublin then. Um, and um, the, the Romanian game we really played well we did Romania in those days Mario were a very good team uh, Georgie Hadji was their great player and he was a great player uh, Dan Petrescu they had a lot of players who had been in the Premier League they had Hadji who was a really great player but Ireland did really well um, in the game played really well um, and of course then David Leary scored the winning uh, goal in the penalty shootout and the country um, went crazy this is an amazing clip of video of John Healy. That's the, the journalist, yeah, in The yeah, Independent. He was, well, he was a, from Mayo, John. Uh, he wasn't a soccer man at all, um, but a very famous journalist and a very great journalist, really. Um, he wrote um, a column in the Irish Times every week. And there's a, when the goal goes in, David Leary's goal, there's a film of John Healy collapsing in tears. And strangely enough, um, Healy had written a book uh, called The Death of a Small Irish Town, I, that's the title, about emigration and the curse of emigration. And so many of the players, and I think this is what got to him, mm. so many of the players in that team were the sons, the grandsons of people who'd had to emigrate. So it was a huge moment for the country, um, that penalty shootout. Uh, O'Connell Street was jammed after 15 minutes and it was a great moment Yeah, I watched in preparation for this actually Eamon I watched the entire Ireland-Romania game um, from 1990 and of course the memories that have filtered down through the years are I suppose affected by the Egypt match because I think people presumed that Ireland had played rubbish in all the matches because we had scored so few goals but yeah. Ireland as you say played really well against the Romanians they created a lot of chances they created yes. more chances than the Romanians and that was a really good Romanian team with Hadji and Lupescu and Popescu and all these yeah. guys and it struck me I mean, that the Irish team of that time even though they were much maligned at times by you and others played much better than a lot of the Trapattoni or Martin O'Neill teams yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I went to Stuttgart, after the Stuttgart uh, victory over England in the European Championships two years before, I went to the next game, which was against um, the Soviet Union. 
uh, and we were brilliant. Where Ronnie Whelan scored a volleyed goal, but we played great football, and we had so many fantastic players. Uh, so there was kind of moments when the team really, uh, you know, did itself uh, well and played as as well as uh, you know they should be playing. These were great players, and then. There were times like the Egypt match where I think Jack decided we'll bombard them with long balls. They won't be used to it. Um, and we'll rough them up uh, and get a, uh, get the win we needed. And, of course, that was the problem. Um, the style, uh, team selection based on uh, the first thing you had to do was play a long ball game. You can't be asking players like Ronnie Whelan. Liam Brady... Uh, was shafted by Jack, you know, yep. um, really in a quite a cruel way. Liam was a great player, and Liam was working for the BBC in, 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 during Italian ninety um, while he was still a player. Yeah, and then we went to the quarterfinal, and this was Nirvana stuff. This was you know going through the gates of Gethsemane. This was Ireland yes. in a quarterfinal against not 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 just anybody, but Italy, the hosts, absolute aristocracy of World Cup football. What are your memories of that occasion? I went to the match with Colm Tobin. So you went um, back we, out? Yeah, um, went to, back out, went to the match with Colm Tobin. We were sitting about five rows in front of Bono and the band. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Hawhey was there. Uh, Ronnie was sitting on the bench again, which was just mad, Mario. I mean, it was crazy uh, to not have Ronnie on the pitch. And it was a poor Italian team. Uh, and we did okay. Scalacci scored about halfway through the first half, and that was the 1-0. Uh, Italians weren't great. And after the match then, Jack did a lap of honour with Charlie Hawhey and the Irish flag. And um, there was a sense uh, that we had reached the quarterfinal of the World Cup, lost to the hosts. There was no shame in that. Uh, and for most people, you know, that was a kind of... That whole few weeks was a great party and a great joy um, and then I had to file a copy after the match um, and Colm had to wait for me uh, and we both missed the bus back to uh, the centre of Rome Yeah, and there was another gentleman uh, who also had no means of getting back Pruncius de Rossa <laughs> so myself, Colm Tobin and Pruncius de Rossa walked back to Rome and it took about two hours or two and a half hours it was a long long road and it was very late after midnight we got back to Rome it started around about 2am in the morning I subsequently encountered Pruncius in a libel action uh, which we settled for 300 grand well obviously the conversation <laughs> was good on the way back into Italy then <laughs> yeah no no it was um, it could have been 600 grand but he decided just to make it three yeah exactly <laughs> no, it was a, it was a curious, um, a curious experience, and I mean the most important thing um, on reflection is that people were enjoying um, the adventure, uh, and I was writing about tactics and talking about tactics, and you know it was me doing my job, um, but it wasn't a nice time. Eamon, uh, there's loads of people texting in really interesting questions for you mm -hmm. and I'd love to get to them after this break if you'll stay with me. No problem. Mario Sunday Roast on Today FM with Mario Rosenstock. 
Today FM's Pamela Joyce. On Sundays, we like to give you a little history lesson in the form of Blast from the Past, where we take a look at things that happened on this day many, many moons ago. Big day in 1498. Woohoo! Yeah, with all the boys going down around the Cape of Good Hope. The Nina, Santa Maria, the Pinta. <laughs> yeah. All those places. I mean, they're boats, but okay. They're all... <laughs> Today FM's Pamela Joyce. Sunday afternoon from 1. On Today FM. Get your book list sorted at schoolbooks.ie. Books, school bags, stationery, everything. Shop hassle-free at schoolbooks.ie, Ireland's favourite school bookstore. Weekly Wonders at Dunn Stores. A whole week's worth of value just for you. This week we have family packs of Weetabix for just €4. Euro. Coca-Cola 20 pack and Coke Zero and Diet Coke 24 pack, only €11 euro each. Nestle 8 and 9 packs of Kit Kat and Toffee Crisp, half price. And O'Donnell's Crisp Sharing Pack, half price at just €1.27. And with their grocery voucher, you save an additional €10 euro on every €50 euro you spend. Weekly Wonders every week at Dunn Stores. Always better value. Terms and conditions apply, minimum spend required. Forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open. With tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A4 Saloon with PCP finance from only €399 per month. Now is the time to make an appointment. Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung Duck Technik. Finance provided by way of higher purchase agreement from Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland. Subject to lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Visit audi.ie forward slash A4 2020 for further information. Very low rainfall in recent months and more water being used in our homes and gardens is putting pressure on Irish Water's capacity to supply enough treated water to meet demand around the country. We need to work together to conserve water to make sure there's enough for everyone for essential health and hygiene use by taking shorter showers, not leaving taps running when brushing your teeth and not using a power washer or a garden hose. For more water-saving tips, visit water.ie. Are you someone who didn't get a refund from your car insurer? Instead, you got nothing. That's a slap in the face with a wet fish. Go to 123.ie, use the promo code GETBETTER, get 30 euro off and 10% off your new car policy online. 123.ie, give better a try. Acceptance criteria, T's and C's apply, 30 euro discount using promo code for new standard motor customers only, 10% off new policies online only. 123.ie, money limited trading is 123.ie, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. RSA Insurance Ireland, DAC provides 123.ie car insurance. We're all looking forward to reopening our businesses in the coming weeks. But looking forward, it's important to prepare and know what to expect. Spaceaware.ie is the hub for the public and the wider business community to share information and updates to government guidelines. Plus, it's also a one-stop shop for those safety products you and businesses will need. And just to make aware, there's even a chance to win €1,000. Visit spaceaware.ie, bringing people back together safely. Today FM. Mario's Sunday Roast. Uh, Mario's Sunday Roast and I'm here with Eamon Dunphy and Eamon's memories, among other things, of Italia 90. So anyway, Eamon, um, you, you went out on the town, you filed your copy and you came home. There's a question in here from Ty Kelleher in Rathcormack in County Cork and he says, Mario, could you ask Eamon if he thinks that squad of players could have even done better if they played a different style of football than the up and under style played by Jack? Um, what do you think? Yes, I think they could have. You can never prove a negative but uh, uh, and we did get the quarter final. but if you'd have picked the right team and played 
uh, Ronnie Whelan, for example, captain of Liverpool, um, and a great player. Um, it, the things would have been different, uh, even in the Italian game. It was the style of play, and this, I think, is worth remembering, was the worst World Cup in history. Yeah. And after after the 1990 World Cup, FIFA changed the rules about passing the ball back to the goalkeeper and that kind of stuff. So uh, we could have, and we could have done better in 2002 uh, and got maybe to the semi-final if Roy Keane hadn't come home. Um, so I think we could have done better um, and we would have had a better team if Jack had been different. But Jack was always unique. And he was half right about pressing. And you, I know you know you like your football, Mario, and I hope Ty does as well. If you look at what Manchester City and Liverpool do now, City in particular, they press the opposition deep in their own half, make life uncomfortable for them. And Jack actually did that. Yep. And he made Ireland very, very effective. The problem was when we got the ball back, then we started lumping it forward so uh, to Niall Quinn, Tony Cascarino, or whoever was up there. So he was half right, yes. uh, but he had the players at his disposal to have a much better team when in possession of the ball. And I, we could have done better. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, th- that's the so-called Gagan pressing that, uh, that uh, Klopp, of course, espouses. And yeah. Jack, the other thing, though, that I've noticed from just hearing stories down through the years and looking at it myself, because I do love football, is that Jack had a certain other thing going for him, Eamon. He was a winner. He was a proven winner and a winner who knew how to win and expected to win. Um, where I remember you talking about um, a match that you played in, and I think it was in 1965, and it was a World Cup playoff in Paris yes, against yes, the Spanish. Indeed. And I think um, you were only beaten 1-0, and it was a goal by Ufarte the, uh, yes. I think that scored the goal. That's right. And Ireland had a load of talented players on that team, I think it's fair to say, unless you correct me, that you guys never expected to win. You were sent out as, this is an Irish team. The FAI, I believe, had been given a little bit of money um, in, in lieu of not having the game in Ireland or even yes. in England. And, of course, Ireland were just there, lambs to the slaughter, and sure, we'll put up a good performance and we won't qualify for the World Cup. But Jack Charlton was not like that. He was a World Cup winner. And whatever team he was in charge of would say, we're going to go and we're going to win it, Eamon. We're going to win it, Eamon. Eamon, yeah, we're going to win it. There were a lot of differences. The team in 65, um, and for some time afterwards, was picked by five suits. Uh, the big five, they were called FAI uh, legislators or administrators. Um, and John Giles was the one who changed uh, the attitude very much uh, uh, for the better by uh, picking good players, um, believing in his players and trying to play the game uh, as it should be played. Um, Jack uh, had um, some great players, Paul McGrath, Ronnie Whelan, uh, Ray Houghton, John Aldridge, uh, Kevin Sheedy, Kevin Moran, David O'Leary, who he exiled for three years in favour of Mick McCarthy. Um, Mark Lawrenson was there for a while. I mean, Jack had really... Uh, the best uh, team of footballers that we ever had. And he played as if they were pretty mediocre because that was the style of football that was uh, in vogue in England at the time. Long ball, uh, win the second ball, and away you go. 
put your opponents under pressure, which is, of course, when you haven't got the ball, is a good thing to do. Graham Taylor was like that as well. But Jack took it to extremes. He really did. I mean, my, um, Paul McGrath was the best centre-half in the world, arguably. He never played centre-half for Jack. He played in midfield. Um, Ronnie Whelan played left-back uh, in a very important game in Scotland. Uh, so he did things his own way. Um, and you can never prove that it would have been better had he done things in a more conventional way. Yeah. yeah. There's another if te- David O'Leary had played instead of Mick McCarthy. I mean, David O'Leary was one of the greatest centre-halves in the history of the game. Yeah. And he was exiled for three years. Yeah, yeah, after the Icelandic tournament, yeah. Um, yeah. Another another texting, Eamon, changing subject. How did you celebrate Liverpool's title win, if indeed you did celebrate it? Were you happy that Liverpool have won? And do you think they can win continuous titles under Klopp? Yes, to all of those <laughs> questions. I think they were brilliant. I had a glass of wine. I was thrilled for Klopp and for the players and for the city of Liverpool and the club. I think it's a very special club. Uh, there's a great sense of community there. There's no prawn sandwiches around Anfield. It's uh, the people in the ground on the cup are Liverpudlians. I think it's a working class um, club. Its roots are very much in the community. And I think Klopp is a very good coach, very charismatic. Uh, and I think his relationship with his players and his relationship with the city of Liverpool are very important um, and real. Uh, and I think they will go on. Uh, they must go on now and win um, more titles and get back and win the Champions League again to prove that they belong uh, with the, in the pantheon of great Liverpool sides of the past. I think he's as far ap- away from what Eamon Dunphy might describe as a spoofer, would you agree? I think he's a very passionate a very intelligent, passionate man. There's a great uh, profile of him in the Sunday Times this morning, which I read, going back to his time as a player and as a coach for Mainz, uh, a small German club. Uh, and, of course, his, he was the head coach at Dortmund as well. He won the Bundesliga twice with Dortmund. He's a fascinating man, um, and he's in his prime, mm. and I expect him to win a lot more, and I expect him to stay at Liverpool. Great. I'm going to change subject again. Um, let me see. Oh, yes. Uh, who, somebody asks, what's the best book you have read recently? The best book I've read recently? I know you're a voracious I, reader. I, I am. Um, I read a book about Trump uh, called Fire and Fury. Oh, yeah. By a guy called Michael Wolff, yep. who was a kind of hanger-on around the White House. He was part of the Trump entourage, and there's some pretty colourful characters in it. I thought that was a very gripping book. I'm reading John Bolton's book, um, The Room Where It Happened, yep. at the moment. He's another disaffected former Trump. Can, uh, I, su- can I suggest one to you? Yes, please. Trumpocalypse by David Frum. Um, he's, oh, yeah. he's a conservative he's a commentator. Writer. He's a conservative he a commentator. Writer for George W. Bush. That's right, a conservative commentator, and he's written Trumpocalypse, and apparently it's 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 getting very very good reviews as well. Yeah, I I will read it. Um, there'll be a lot of books. I just hope uh, he doesn't get reelected, Mario. 
I don't uh, think we could take it. Yeah, on that subject, um, I really enjoy your uh, podcast, The Stand, and I urge uh, listeners to get out and have a listen to it. Because um, you cover everything. You cover Brexit, you cover the COVID crisis, you cover the COVID crisis from different countries' perspectives, like Sweden or, yes. or, or, or different countries like that. Um, but one thing is, uh, one of your um, correspondents is fantastic, Niall Stanage um, from yes. Washington. But just a sorry, small technical question here. It, every time I listen to the Niall Stanage um, podcasts, they always get wiped immediately after I listen to them. Do you know anything about that? No. Wiped? Wiped, yeah. So in other words, all the other podcasts remain. And then shortly after the Niall Stanage Washington podcast goes up, it's always gone. Any idea what oh, that dear. is? No, it no, must be... Funny one. I thought it was... CIA? CIA. No, I'll have a word, <laughs> I'll have a word with... Um, uh, our communications experts. We want it to be up there. Yeah, it disappears. You mean it's not up there the next day? No, it's 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 like after I listen to it, it disappears. Maybe it's just me, but I've seen it's happened over and over again, and all the other podcasts remain. Um, well, but it's, I, I checked that out. Is, I just he's, have a, a, he's a very important contributor. Yeah, he's really good. It's a it's a very big story. It's the biggest story in the world, Mario. Because if we don't get rid of him, uh, God knows where we're going. There's a story. In one of this morning's papers, Sunday Times again, about the militia man um, going into training uh, for the election because if Trump loses, they're going to claim it was voting fraud uh, and they might not go quietly. And these guys have AK 47s. Bill Maher, um, the famous American comedian, um, has been on record for the last two years as saying he's not going to go even if he loses. So this has been going yes. around for a long time, Eamon, and yes. he gets guests onto his show and he goes, he's not going to go. And the person goes, ah, oh, stop, Bill, don't be stupid. Of course he's going to go if he loses. No, yeah, how no, is he no. going to go? What's going to happen? Those guys, the police, the bikers, the uh, yes. army, all these yeah. guys, they're all on his side. He thinks all the tough guys are on his side and that he can turn them, uh, basically turn America into a kind of a civil war. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very civil warish at the moment, at the moment. It is. It's it's dangerous. Uh, he's a dangerous fool, um, and God knows what he'll try to do. And the COVID pandemic gives him a bit of cover uh, to claim uh, there was voter fraud or whatever. Compliments here, Eamon, from Lisa in Sligo. I've always loved Eamon's style, and now a stand devotee. Do I call oh. myself a stander? Thanks to COVID-19 walks. I was on my first ward, male surgical, as a student nurse of 18 during Italia 90. Every man and child woke from anaesthetic, roaring that they had scored a penalty. I don't know how I didn't <laughs> die of fright. Wonderful weeks. Um, yeah, they were. They were great times. Yeah. Eamon, do you think Italia 90 was the high point for Irish football? I mean, I know it was the high point for Irish football, but do you think, it, do you think it's very unlikely, or is it, should we always remain hopeful? But do you think in reality it's highly unlikely that we'll ever reach such heights again? Well, I think it's not likely. It's more unlikely than likely. But I wouldn't give up on the prospect of us doing well. We've got some very good young players now and we have a really good coach uh, in Stephen Kenny coming to take the job. And I expect to see um, something really impressive. We have some very good young players. So I wouldn't say... Uh, it's uh, completely out of the question uh, that we could advance quite far in the champion in the European Championship or the World Cup. Um, we'll never, I don't think, Mario, have the quality in such abundance to have Paul McGrath, Mark Lawrence, and Ronnie Whelan, um, Kevin Moran, Frank Stapleton, uh, Kevin Sheedy. 
also it's one of the players, yep. Packy Bonner, in one team would be a big, big ask. But I wouldn't be... We have really exciting players at underage level now and we have a really, really good coach. So I think the future um, is bright uh, and brighter than it may seem at the moment. Derek in Kilkenny um, ask, says, ask Eamon uh, where he stands on Roy Keane at the moment. So Roy was... He's very colourful in, in the punditry recently, Eamon, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he, there was, he did one of his rants during the Tottenham game about a goal United gave away and he was right uh, in his analysis. Uh, he was right to be angry. Um, he's not really a considered analyst. He just uh, comes out with it. He's good value and he's entertaining sometimes. I, I think when you look a bit deeper into his, there's two long interviews in the Sunday Independent the last couple of weeks um, and it's just... Um, not very impressive stuff, really. I don't think it's depth in his thinking. I think it's just uh, he's he's a strange character. Um, Jekyll and Hyde would be the the best description of him. He, he the way he treated players in the Irish camp when he was uh, with Martin O'Neill was bad, and the stories from Ipswich and Sunderland, where he also was the head coach, are very bad. Yeah, but a complicated character and a character you have described uh, at various times as being highly, highly intelligent. Um, Do you think he'll ever manage in the Premier League? No, I don't. I don't think he has the temperament for management. Uh, He he, he doesn't love people. Uh, He's not a people person. He's intolerant in many ways. He's a short temper. Um, No, I don't think he will. Yeah. What's your favourite bit of the stand that you do? What's the bit that you look forward to doing most? Um, I look forward to most of it. I like doing Niall Stanage from Washington now. That's a very big story. Um, I like doing the football with John and Liam and Didi. Um, I, I love it all. I mean, we, we have people that we really like. Chris Johns uh, is a former chief economist at the Bank of Ireland, very cultured and civilised man. We do a lot of stuff with him. I enjoy that. Um, I enjoyed interviewing you, which you kindly agreed to do. Um, I love, I love it all. I mean, I really do. Um, we mostly don't have people we don't like, uh, and I try to get the very best people. We've Robert Fisk this week coming up. Um, so I, I love it all. Yeah. Uh, you sort of remarked that the 1990 World Cup was the last real World Cup. Uh, is it fair to say? I think I've done a little bit of reading about this in the past, in recent times, but. Is international football really a, 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 not the thing it was anymore? In other words, yes. it's Champions League really or bust, isn't it? Yes, and you get this You get the sense that players, it's hard to say this, but you get the sense, not Irish players of course, but just generally international players, just they don't feel the same about playing for their country as perhaps they used to and that it isn't as important for them as playing in a semi-final of a Champions League. Yeah, and they're not getting paid 350000 a week, uh, which the best players are. Some of them, like Lionel Messi, are getting paid an awful lot more than that, and they deserve it. Um, so uh, whoever's uh, paying you, paying your wages, they're the people you're most committed to. And I think international football and FIFA and UEFA have been very intrusive. They have new competitions, the European Nations League now. So there is a turf war there, um, but I think the clubs will always win that and should win it. Um, because they're the ones who paid the players. Um, a text from Michael in Roscommon. Michael wants to know, um, when Eamon was walking back to uh, Rome with Princess de Rossi, was Eamon a member of the Workers' Party at the time? And what does Eamon think of uh, the new government? 
Well, I wasn't a member of the Workers' Party uh, <laughs> at the time. I was just a worker. Um, I, you, you were a worker who liked to party? I was a worker who liked to party. All workers like to party when they can, Mario, including you. Um, now, <laughs> I, I, I think about the new government. Well, they have no option but to be radical. I don't think austerity going back, but that route is an option. We'll see. Um, I'm a, an unbelievable optimist. Um, I always think the next government's going to be great and they always turn out to be lousy. So I have my fingers crossed. Yeah, are, I wouldn't. Are, are you a member of any, or sorry, are you following no. any particular party? I mean, I'm a big fan of no. cognitive, cognitive dissonance and believing two or three different things <laughs> at the same time, but you've believed yes. in every single faction in Irish politics uh, since time immemorial. Yeah. Are you any, a fan of anybody at the moment? The Greens? Uh, yes, I like the Young Greens. Yeah, most of them were against this deal. Uh, but they're very idealistic uh, and they're right too in their analysis. Uh, another one here, Eamon. Uh, this one, um, you probably get, you know what this is getting at. Mario, on the morning of the Cameroon game in zero two, 2 yes. when he got in from Reynards, what album did he put on to keep him up until the taxi <laughs> to RTE that picked him up? It wasn't the Cameroon game. It was Japan versus Russia. Uh, I play, played a Dylan album. I played them all. You played um, all the Dylan albums. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> over 30 studio albums. Yes. No, I, I can't remember precisely which one it was. I heard um, a rumour. This, You know, the, the, the way you generate urban myths, I heard a rumour that you got, lift, <laughs> you got a lift back to your house on a fire engine. No. No. <laughs> Not true. Not true? No. Have you ever been on a fire engine? No. Would you like to be on a fire engine? Not particularly. No. Okay. Um, let me see, what else? Um, oh yeah, well, you've talked about the government, so, uh, and you're a fan of the Young Greens, and... Uh, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Actually, you know what, Eamon, I've nearly exhausted, nearly exhausted okay. every single topic, and you're, si you're still dying ready to go, but uh, I, I think I've pretty much come to the end of it now. Um, okay, well, loads of compliments, but no, you're welcome, loads of compliments for you, by the way, about the stand. Uh, oh, lots thank of you very much. Which is great. And um, and it's still sponsored by Tesco, isn't that right? It is, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hold yeah. firm is what I hear you say all the time. Hold firm. <laughs> and um, they're, they're great supporters. Mario, my dad, Tommy Doyle, and my uncle Michael went to the match in Italy. The only other country my dad had ever been to was England. They bought tickets for charter flights in one day, home the next. There were no hotels booked. There were no plans to sleep during their time away. My mother gave the two men, in their late 50s, a cooked chicken to bring with them for the flight. They each also bought a six-pack of Guinness. The bus took them on a tour of Rome. They loved every minute. They loved the game. They sang through the whole thing. Someone later asked my dad, were the Italian women beautiful? He said, yeah, but so were the Italian men. After every goal, no matter who scored, there was hugging all around. Hugging. Do you remember that, Eamon? Hugging. I do, yeah. It was, it was a, a long time. It was a long time ago. It was a disappointment to lose the match, but the whole experience was fantastic for them. The men never yeah, failed. Yeah. The men never failed to bring up the trip whenever they could in conversation, and that's from no. Frida and Scaries. And Eamon, there's yep. another. There's another one from Shane and Callester, and uh, or from Brian Quinn actually, and he says, Eamon, I've always admired, respected, and generally liked you. I love how you spoke your truth and always showed balls. I was both shocked and saddened in equal measure when I heard you were utterly terrified of COVID-19. I've seen so many people's mental health deteriorate because of it. Eamon, please do yourself a favour and watch Heal, H-E-A-L, on Netflix with a nice glass of wine tonight and get out for a walk tomorrow, my friend. Best regards and well wishes from Brian Quinn and family.
Mm, that's nice. Okay, that's very nice. Yeah, and thank you very much. It's called. And I'll try and catch up on the heel. Yeah, it's called heel. H e a l. Eamon, listen once more. Thanks very much for joining me on Mario Sunday Roast. As I always say, and I'm sickened to the teeth of saying, you were my first ever interview on Mario Sunday Roast, and that was two years ago. And I'm delighted to hear you still doing so well, and the podcast doing so fantastically well. And thank you very much for tolerating me and answering as many questions as you could today. It's my pleasure always, Mario. Anytime. And best, Take care to, yourself. And best to Jane as well. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, bye. Mario Sunday Roast on Today FM with Mario Rosenstock.